Hello, Isla Vista. You're tuned into KCSB-FM 91.9 in Santa Barbara. I'm Daniel Vecias with KCSB News. And I'm Holly Rush with The Daily Nexus. Tonight, we bring you the final episode in our first ever collaborative series, Unmasking Isla Vista, a COVID-19 Community Archive. Throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, the UC Santa Barbara and Isla Vista communities have adjusted almost all aspects of their lives to help mitigate the spread of the virus. Over the course of Unmasking Isla Vista, KCSB News and The Daily Nexus have worked together to document the way in which our community has changed, examining various topics. In episode one, we explored human struggle, focusing on mental health and houselessness. Then, we moved on to university and students, narrowing in on UC Santa Barbara's response to academic dishonesty, mental health, international students, and housing. Testing and vaccines investigated the efforts of the Santa Barbara Public Health Department and UC Santa Barbara in mitigating the spread of the virus. Local businesses and essential workers assessed the pandemic's toll on businesses here in Isla Vista, highlighting the experiences of owners and essential workers alike. And Community Reflection explored the Isla Vista community through interviews with local leaders. Each one of these components was accompanied by a KCSB newsletter. If you are a listener who isn't yet subscribed to our mailing list, head to kcsb.org and enter your email address at the bottom of the homepage. And although Unmasking Isla Vista is coming to an end, you can always find full-length articles and archived episodes of this series by visiting dailynexus.com or kcsb.org. Our episode tonight centers around a very important topic, community activism. As many UCSB students and Isla Vista residents know, the Isla Vista community has a notable reputation as a progressive college town, home to a number of activist circles. Over the past year, the unrest and uncertainty brought on by the pandemic spurred an array of social movements, both within Isla Vista and across the globe. And in light of the added risks surrounding gathering, activists had to adapt to new methods of organizing. For this week's episode, we spoke with a number of organizers here in Isla Vista who have been able to sustain momentum for their respective causes, despite the limitations brought on by the pandemic. We started with Taylor Clark, co-chair of UCSB's Young Democratic Socialists of America. Taylor said he believes the pandemic could open a window for long-term change. I think that what the pandemic has done first and foremost, and hopefully this will change after the pandemic, most people are out of a job and are going deeper into debt for school. And they think, wow, there's clearly an intrinsic problem in the system if this is what's happening. But because everything's online, you know, we don't have club fairs. We're not talking to people in person. People don't see a way out of that. So they just see... They see all the issues getting worse, but they don't see an alternative or like an approach to solving those issues. So I think that what the pandemic has done is it has not unfortunately led to a large boost in membership in the short term, but I think it's laid the groundwork for an immense amount of radicalization and a boom in organizing in the long term once we get back in person, because a lot of people have seen the conditions caused by the pandemic and how the people who were wealthy before are still primarily benefiting from the situation while you know the poor are still getting poorer. Um, it's just been exasperated much faster. So I think people see that and are ready to take action. YDSA saw organizing success with a march this past May to demand $900 checks to be distributed to each student for COVID-19 relief. YDSA requested that UCSB distribute the checks with funding from the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act and the Coronavirus Response and Relief Supplemental Appropriations Act. 
Around 50 students and faculty members marched at Chancellor Henry T. Yang's campus home to demand that the university send COVID-19 relief funds directly to students. The $900 checks campaign, um, which culminated in this large in-person march that we organized. I think 50 people to show up. It was a lot of fun. We had flags, we had music, we had speeches. Um, and that was probably our, our finest moment. The university did acknowledge the march. And funny enough, when we originally sent them our demand letter, they just ignored it for weeks and they didn't respond to it at all until the night before the march, which is pretty funny and shows that these sorts of things do work and can get people in power fearful of collective action. But the request was ultimately unsuccessful. Still, Clark said he was impressed by the fervor of those who attended and has high hopes for the upcoming in-person school year. He said that YDSA hopes to not only build ties with other YDSA chapters across the country, but with other intersecting social movements at UCSB. One of the primary organizations that we've done some amount of work with was groups like Food Not Bombs, Cop Off, Cops Off Campus. We turned out, we did our best to turn out what members we had in Isla Vista at the time to the Food Not Bombs March that happened somewhat recently, as well as to a lot of the Cops Off Campus events that were going on during the later part of the year. We've been so hard at work organizing, planning what our approach is in this coming fall. And one of the big things we have lined up is, it's still in the works, so I, sh I won't say too much, but essentially we've been establishing closer ties with YDSA chapters across the state at other UCs primarily. And we're working on, you know, again, very much in the works, but we're working on some sort of statewide campaign. Um, focus on the UC system so that no longer are we just sort of isolate chapters working um, without communication with each other in sort of ways that won't necessarily be able to win the kind of change we want, but we'll have, a, again, collective um, organization at every UC that can extract larger and larger demands from, from the, the university. During our interview, Clark also touched on the issue of police reform, advising UCSB administrators to redistribute police funding directly to student services. UCSB's police department operated on a $9,641,701 budget during the 2019 to 2020 school year. A good place to start would be to, on both like issues of race as well as issues of like social income inequality a great place to start would be defunding the, the campus police who are largely redundant anyways and distributing that money to services that are actually much more beneficial to students day-to-day -day lives as well as providing financial relief to students who are who have been absolutely crushed by the pandemic another local activist we spoke to is maya sinha a member of the cops off campus coalition an organization that promotes defunding and abolishing the police Cops Off Campus has held several protests in Isla Vista throughout the year, with one in October 2020 and an entire month of action in May 2021. Cops Off Campus has hosted a weekly Coffee Not Cops table in IV, where members of the group can engage with community members, discuss the group's mission, and answer questions. Reflecting on the past year, Maya said she feels the pandemic has allowed people to educate themselves on what police abolition actually entails. It's really cool to see how people have engaged with us in person. So we have like a Coffee Not Cops table that's um, set up outside Ivy Theater on Fridays. 
And um, even during the pandemic, we're able to like have conversations with people like um, in a safe space and like a safe way with like, you know, masks and stuff and still be able to have those like in-person interactions um, and conversations. But it has been really cool to see the normalization of like abolition, the abolitionist like mindset and a lot of students that they are being able to like, they are able to like imagine a world without cops and this is becoming something that's more like I guess like socially like accepted and something that is like becoming more possible. Maya said that by the nature of people being stagnant at home during the pandemic, they became more motivated to get involved with activist circles and work towards tangible change. The community was very like stagnant during the pandemic, like you're stuck at home, you're not able to do as much and like posting infographics online is great, but it still doesn't like feel like something at least to me, that's how I felt. And so that's what kind of started my involvement in Cops Off Campus. And um, I think the most critical like conversations for me happened at the Coffee Not Cops table, you know, just talking about how other people felt about the police in um, Isla Vista and Santa Barbara, just like being able to like engage with community members. Cops Off Campus hopes to continue growth in the upcoming in-person year. Definitely one of our objectives for next year is to grow because right now we're pretty small and we've had pretty good turnout at our events. So one thing we're going to be working on is just spreading the word about what abolition is so that if people are interested in it, they will be able to make that decision if they want to join or not. And education, not just in like what abolition is, but, you know, educating people on how to be like an alternative to the police, such as harm reduction and crisis intervention. Another thing, addressing like the policies the new policies in terms of like um, budget increases to the UCPD budget, as well as like forming coalitions across with other activist groups. And with that being said, I think it's time for a quick break. Remember, you're listening to our sixth and final episode of Unmasking Isla Vista, a COVID-19 community archive. After the break, we sit down with the co-founders of UCSB's Asian Coalition, as well as the 2020-2021 University of California student region. You're listening to KCSB-FM in Santa Barbara, 91.9. Stay tuned. Hello, Isla Vista listeners. I'm Melanie Zement from The Daily Nexus. And I'm Emily Kosev, also from The Daily Nexus. And we're the hosts of the Daily Nexus podcast, Hot Off the Pod, aka the hottest podcast on the scene. Which, if you haven't listened to already, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> In the past, we've covered everything from student involvement, campus events, and what do we cover? It's a good Student question. involvement, campus events. Arts. Okay. Arts events, uh, Telescope and Hawaii. Okay. In the past, we've covered everything from student life, campus events, and student culture and goings on in Isla Vista and Santa Barbara. We're here to tell you about a really exciting project that we're working on with KCSB and the Daily Nexus. The Hot Off the Pod team has been recapping the Unmasking Isla Vista series through three podcast episodes of our own, featuring the voices behind the project. Each episode will explore a different pairing of segments from the Unmasking Isla Vista project, unpacked by Daily Nexus and KCSB reporters who were first on the scene and were instrumental in developing this amazing project. In fact, by the time you're listening to this, We'll have our first episode, Unmasking Isla Vista Part 1, already released. 
featuring Asumi Shuda, Jennifer Yoshikoshi, Sindhu Ananabale, and Ashley Rush. And the next two episodes will release the following Fridays, September 24th and October 5th. To find our episodes, head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Or the Daily Nexus site at dailynexus.com. Again, that's dailynexus.com. Remember, you're listening to KCSB FM in Santa Barbara, 91.9. Happy listening and remember to stay hot. <laughs> Nailed it. Welcome back, listeners. You're tuned into our sixth and final episode of Unmasking Isla Vista, COVID-19 Community Archive. Now today, we're discussing community activism in Isla Vista during the pandemic. And we have a lot more coming up. Up next, we sit down with fourth-year biopsychology majors Pauline Yang and Amy Tran, the co-founders of UCSB's Asian Coalition. While anti-Asian hate crimes drew national attention over the past year in the news and on social media, Pauline and Amy acknowledge that these issues have existed long before the pandemic. All the issues that we were trying to address and all the issues that we discussed during like town halls and just like in general were issues that happened like prior to COVID. Like COVID wasn't what caused everything to happen. It was just a for kind of like a force to bring everything to light more. And I think that's like something important to acknowledge is that, yeah, it like it was like kind of trendy to like care about anti-Asian hate but like before that, the issues were the same. So that's something that I thought was important to acknowledge. Amy said that she's noticed fewer people advertising about anti-Asian hate crimes online in recent months. She reflected a fairly common sentiment that internet activism supposedly brought on by the pandemic seems to be dying down. Yeah, I can definitely I agree with Pauline in terms of, I feel like everything's dying down in terms of like, what I see on social media, what I see people promoting, how much it seems like people care in terms of like how much they advertise that they care. Um, so that's another thing that I feel like is dying down. And also on top of that, like just the organization itself, like UCSB Asian Co, a coalition, um, I think a lot of the students are, we're like, we're taking a break right now and restructuring because a lot of the students are getting burnt out because ultimately at the end of the day, like we're students first before anything. Although we're like um, participating in advocacy, like I think it's also important to take space and like take time for ourselves. So that's like something that we're really trying to keep mindful of with the organization, not trying to burn everyone out and just like doing everything to the best of our capabilities, but not burning out at the same time. I still do see a lot of attacks happening, but I feel like there's still not the same amount of like uh, promotion and push forward as there was a few months ago and I think that might partly be because like things are opening up again and um, people are like oh things are going back to normal like we can live a normal life again um, so I think like that's definitely something that we need to be aware of and like all of the topics that we were learning and fighting for during the pandemic like we can't just sideline that um, and let it disappear I feel like we need to address them and find actual solutions because um, there was a reason why they were all brought up. It wasn't just yeah. our movement, you know, like BLM happened back in the spring and there was a whole bunch of other stuff like that that was happening throughout the whole um, 2020, 2021 um, time span. Um, so definitely I've seen like a lot of lost momentum with so many different things and it's not just with like stop Asian hate and everything. The Asian coalition is fairly new actually. 
It was formed during spring quarter 2021 to support the entirety of UCSB's Asian community and includes over 18 organizations. But even in that short period of time, the group has hosted several town halls, where participants meet with others and talk about collective struggles. Pauline and Amy aren't alone in the sentiment that the pandemic has shed a light on longstanding social issues. Jamal Muwakil, 2020-2021 University of California student regent and a UCSB graduate student, told us that the pandemic allowed many individuals to see what minority communities have been consistently experiencing. This past year brought to the fore and brought to the attention of a lot of folks the reality that many of us have been living for quite a while. So in one sense, there's a focus on uh, police brutality. And then in another flashpoint, we had the focus on, uh, uh, on hate crimes, specifically around the idea of the Stop Asian Hate Movement. And so uh, given those two paradigms, these were not new community internal. Uh, everyone kind of was not used to it, but was familiar with this paradigm, but there, there was a flashpoint. I think it was an interesting kind of merging of worlds and perfect storms such that everyone's at home and everyone's on edge and everyone's watching the news. And at the same time, uh, you have the video of, uh, of, of George Floyd uh, being killed slowly uh, for, in front of the nation. Uh, and so that sparked some response. A prominent example is the Black Lives Matter movement, which saw protests across the world that drew millions of participants after the murder of George Floyd. At UCSB, where only 5% of undergraduates and 4% of graduates are Black, a May protest drew nearly 1,000 participants and Black community members and organizers publicly reflected on the need for representation and change in the UC system. The energy behind those movements, the fact that we were all at home and on edge and paying a lot more attention to the news than we might have otherwise, at least broadly, uh, put a lot of wind behind the sails of some movements that were already in place and had been pressing forward for quite a while. As a UC student regent, Jamal had the unique experience of being in the room for many of the UC's most important decisions during the past unprecedented year. I think institutionally, um, Large bureaucracies are gonna be slow to change under the best of circumstances, even if some individuals would like it to do so. Um, I think the answer to that is persistence and uh, diversity of voices, right? Students, graduate students, faculty, administrators, staff, uh, everyone pushing in the same direction to try to get us to where we need to be. Jamal expanded on solidarity and intersectionality as key aspects of making progress moving forward. Some folks who are newer to the struggle would find that it's all about, you know, changing people's minds, individuals' minds, right? If you, if you just talk to them, people are reasonable, they'll come to find that you're like a person just like them, and then they won't be homophobic anymore, they won't be anti-Black anymore, they won't be. And, and we found over the course of time that just, it's not not a sustainable model. I can't have this many individual conversations. Uh, and two, I can't live my life beholden to the opinions that people have of me such that they might hate me. I can't have my whole existence be driven around making them like me. Uh, I find that counterproductive. And I think that that's where we find great overlap and we can learn from each other uh, in our collective and individual struggles that uh, 
that there's some strategy, that there's some infrastructure, that there's some, uh, there, there's some, some engagement that can make us all, our, at least our results greater than the sum of its parts. Ultimately, Jamal said he hopes the momentum of these social movements will continue past the uncertain year they were conceptualized in. We, we had this great group awakening to these practical realities in the world. Uh, my fear is that we would go back to normal, at least aspire to go back to normal, because normal or the, the way it was before was not great for everyone. My hope is that we learn from this past year, those realizations that we found and that we press forward structurally uh, to, 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 to really shore up some of those things that we found lacking. Um, am I optimistic that we'll do it? Um, I don't know. Uh, we've kind of sort of been at this place before on the tail end of a racial reckoning, right? I'm, I'm thinking of Ferguson uh, most recently, uh, where everyone just knew that this was going to be the thing and, and we didn't quite have the staying power. Um, I'll say that we, this is a little different because again, it was a, a global pandemic and everything shut down so that everything has to be rebuilt, right? Everyone has to come back and has to reevaluate how they were doing things and how they will do things in the future. Uh, so I think that there's hope for um, some progress, uh, but I'll say uh, I, I'm not an optimist by, by nature, uh, but we'll see. I mean, I think we can all agree with Jamal. The last thing we want is a return to normal when for so long, normalcy has been conflated with complacency. Well, Holly, it's been said before, all good things must come to an end. It has been such an amazing experience working with you and the entire team at The Daily Nexus. I'm sure I speak for everyone at KCSB News when I say we are grateful to have been a part of this project. It's been an absolute pleasure to work with everyone involved in this, and I'm certain that this was the first of many future projects between KCSP News and The Daily Nexus. So much collaboration and dedicated reporting went into this project. We really could not have done it without one another. But more importantly, we could not have done it without you, our listeners. Thank you so much to everyone listening. Thank you for coming back every week, sharing on social media, telling your friends and family. We are literally overwhelmed by your support. We would also like to thank those featured in this week's episode. Co-chair of UCSB's Young Democratic Socialist of America, Taylor Clark. Cops Off Campus Coalition member, Maya Sinha. Co-founders of UCSB's Aging Coalition, Pauline Yang and Amy Tran. And former UC student regent and UCSB graduate student, Jamal Muwakil. Listeners, sadly, it's time to say goodbye. But remember, if you are interested in previous episodes of Unmasking Isla Vista, a COVID-19 community archive, head to dailynexus.com slash unmasking dash Isla dash Vista. That's dailynexus.com slash unmasking dash Isla dash Vista. We would like to give a special thanks to our dedicated reporters this week. Daniel Wasias and Holly Ru Oh, that's us. Yeah, that's us. <laughs> Remember, you've been listening to Unmasking Isla Vista, a COVID-19 community archive on KCSB FM 91.9 in Santa Barbara. I'm Daniel Wasias with KCSB News. And I'm Holly Rush with The Daily Nexus. And one last time, the biggest thank you to our team. 
Our daily Nexus journalists, Sindhu Anandavale, Africa Iyer, Asumi Shuda, Catherine Swartz, KCSB journalists, Yulena Teagle, Ashley Rush, Pia Ramos, Alexandra Goldberg, Jennifer Yoshikoshi, Daily Nexus videographers, Evan Caucasian, Juliana Zapatel, Daily Nexus artists and graphic creators, Hannah Apple, Luca Disbro, Alex Rudolph, Noel Chan, Natalie Sierrinda, Kelly Yan, KCSB artists, Madeline Pang Miller, Shirley Wong, and finally, our Daily Nexus photographers, Pia Ramos, Taiyun Yao. Our theme music is Foundations of Burgundy by Jawser. And again, the biggest thanks to you for listening. Be sure to tune in next week. Oh, nope, never mind. No, we're not coming back next week. Be sure to keep up with KCSB News and the Daily Nexus in all future endeavors. Head to dailynexus.com to stay up to date on all things involving UCSB's campus in Isla Vista. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at Daily Nexus. You can find KCSB News on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, Facebook, and Twitter under KCSB News. KCSB News can be heard on air Mondays and Thursdays at 5 p.m. here on KCSB FM 91.9 in Santa Barbara. Until next time, take care.